Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Playing Around. I'm your host, Paige Renee, and we have an exciting, I don't even want to say a guest anymore because Amanda Rose, you are going to be coming on this podcast more consistently as a co-host. And I am so excited because guys, you probably know Amanda from previous episodes. She is so funny, witty, just overall amazing and so I was so excited when you said that uh you wanted to be on Raft and I was so excited you were excited I was excited when I when I found out that you were gonna ask me I was like yes of course oh my gosh I was so honored so I'm I'm so excited to do this I love what you're doing with your show you talk about fun real topics and I think that's what we need more of in golf right now and I think today's episode especially should be very interesting because there's so much going on like it's ridiculous we need more excitement, but we also need more women in golf as yeah. well, too. And so I was, I've always wanted to do um, a sports podcast with another female. And we've been trying to find like the right dynamic. And then every time you'd come on, I was like, she is perfect for this. But we've never actually done like a true intro for you. So I think the listeners probably want to know a little bit more about you and your background and how you got into, the, into golf and kind of what you're up to now. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, thank you so much for asking me to do this. I, this is going to be so much fun. I love working with you. Um, so I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. So my background, like I grew up playing junior golf. I was such a golf nerd growing up. Like I would every day, like Thursday through Sunday, I would record European tour, web.com tour and, uh, or corn Ferry tour now and PGA tour. And I would get home from school and I would like watch all of them through. And I just, I, I fell in love with, the game and just the history around the game and everything to do with golf. And um, I played at a, you know, fairly high level as a junior golfer and then got injured and was like, you know what, playing golf in college just isn't for me. And I always, for whatever reason, I'd always wanted to go to the university of Florida. I'm not from Florida originally, like never had really any family roots there. I just always loved the Gators. So when, you know, the injury happened, I was like, you know what, this is actually good. Cause you know, I was never good enough to play at the university of Florida. Like that's a top five program. So I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to go and have fun in college. I didn't touch clubs for four years. 
and at the University of Florida, I always knew I wanted to do journalism. And I originally thought I wanted to get into news. And then I was like, no, golf, golf is my passion. I love, I love golf. And, you know, my professors who were always very supportive of me, but they would be like, you know, it's really hard to get into golf. And I was like, I don't care. I'm going to do it. And after I graduated, um, I ended up interning at Golf Channel in, in the PR department for about three, four, five months. I was there for a while. Um, and it was great. I made some awesome connections when I was there. And then I realized I still wanted to do golf, but I, you know, I, I kind of given up that opportunity, not given up the opportunity, but I forewent the opportunity to go and do a news market or to go and do local news because I just didn't want to do that. That just wasn't for me. So I moved home and I started making my own like videos, kind of just ripping, riffing, ripping, whatever on. I remember and- seeing them go kind of viral in the golf space when you first started doing them. And I was like, this girl is spicy. Like the takes you were giving, what you were saying, you were doing things that people weren't doing or saying, which to me was super exciting because it was different. And as you know, and as we've talked about on the show a lot, golfers just tend to be you play it safe and it's a bit boring. And so when I was seeing your stuff, I was like, okay, (laughs) this is different. This is cool. This is interesting. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I was lucky because one of the connections I'd made when I was a golf channel, just being in the golf industry was Alan Chipnuck, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. And when I first put my video out, like he had kind of told me leading up to that, like, you need to just start doing your own stuff. Like people will, will notice you just do it. And I was like, that's, it's so hard to start something, you know, to be like, all right, I'm this broke kid. I'm living at home. I don't even have $800 to spend on a camera and whatever. And I like say, I mean, I was broke, broke. And I went, I got like a DSLR and a microphone and lighting kind of, you know, really cheap Amazon lighting setup. And I started making my videos and because Alan had retweeted the first one, people kind of started noticing. And within like a month or two, you know, people were like, oh, you know, we'll give you 20 bucks to do this for a video or whatever. And I was like, okay. So I was, you know, able to kind of establish myself. And then, you know, doing that on social, on Twitter ended up leading to a full-time job with the Action Network, where I am now. It's a full-time golf analyst. Um, you can catch us Wednesday nights on the Gimme 830. <laughs> Jason Sobel and I preview all of the bets going into the week for the PGA Tour. But yeah, so I'm doing that now. Um, I, you know, I got here. I got where I wanted to be, which was in the golf space and doing golf media. And, you know, it wasn't always easy, but it's been worth it. Um, and, you know, here I am. I'm sitting here with you. So that's that's kind of how it started. And that's how I got my job with action. And that's that's how I am here. Because, I, you know, I didn't really... I wanted to do something different, like you said, because, yeah. you know, whenever people ask me, like, oh, how do I start doing this? I'm like, you have to do something that other people haven't done before because no one cares if you're doing the same thing that 50,000 other people are doing. You have to do something different. So did you feel that it was, I always tell people this because I think when I first started, I was doing things that were also different and it came out of kind of necessity, just like you, I didn't have any money. I didn't have any resources. I didn't have any connections. And so I was like, well, just going to do what I like to do and we'll see what happens with it. But I think it progressed me in my career to different levels. But at the same time, I had a ton of doors shut in my face because I was different. I wasn't safe. Did you find that as well? Was it difficult where it was like more traditional brands or companies were like, oh, no. Like, maybe. You know what? 
No. And I don't know why, maybe they, no one just said, like, no one said it to my face, but <laughs> I've had, you know, a really good relationship with Titleist for a long time. I've had a really good relationship with Adidas. So like, those are the clubs I play. That's the clothing I wear. Like I have been kind of surprised. Like I've just made good friends and good connections in the industry. And I was lucky because I, I had kind of like the old man golf media people to lean on, you know, because yeah. I, I kind of came from that writing or whatever, the reporting background. And whereas you went out and I mean, I tell people, I'm like, you know, you want to do something different. Paige did something different because no one else was doing that. And look how many copycats that's led to, you know, and, it's, <laughs> and that's not a bad thing because, you know, it's growing the game, whatever. But at the end of the day, like you did something different and look where you are because you did something different. And that's, that's the important thing. But no, I don't feel like I had doors shut in my face. Like maybe not, maybe they just didn't say it to me, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I've, I've gotten very lucky, I think being accepted. And that's something I'm very grateful for because I know, you know, like you've had it, like there were, have been rough times for you and you still have rough times and people judge you and for absolutely no reason. And you're one of the nicest people I know. And I really enjoy working with you. And I don't say that about a lot of people. So there are, you know, there are times when I think, oh my gosh, I didn't get this gig because of X, Y, and Z, but it's like the end of the day, I'm like, no, like my agent doesn't even know that company, let alone anyone involved with it. So it's kind of more of that. Like if I really wanted it, I should have reached out. So I, I don't know. No, not so far. No, but we'll see. Well, and, and it's been especially difficult. I'm sure for, well, I found this out too, but being in the golf space, which is very yeah. male dominated. And then the sports betting space, which is, I think, even worse at times, just because yeah. you have to be so knowledgeable about what you're doing. But you could, especially, we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Golf picks mm-hmm. are so difficult to make, yeah. <laughs> and you're out there like, I, I think this is right, and then you know you throw a pick out there, and people are like, well, how could you pick them? They missed the cut. And you're like, I don't know. I think it's so hard to prove yourself in both spaces, but especially the sports betting space, which you've done extremely well. Oh, well, thank you. There are a lot of people I'm sure that would disagree, but you know, I, like I said earlier, like I grew up just consuming golf, like 24 seven, like there are times when I'll just see someone's putter, like a picture of someone's putter. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's Brooks. Oh yeah. That's Tony Finau. And it's like, I, I need help. First of all, second of all, <laughs> I just, I think my golf knowledge also, and your golf knowledge sets you apart and sets us apart from other people who try to maybe come into the space and might not know as much about the game and haven't consumed it and haven't lived it. So I think translating that into a betting perspective and being able to make the bets. It's like, okay, I kind of have feelings, you know, I'm used to, okay, this guy's been playing well for a few weeks. And I remember 10 years ago when he did X, Y, and Z, and this kind of reminds me of that. And I think that translates well. And like you said, the male dominated aspect, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that hate what you do, that hate what I do, you know, you with points bet and whatever, me doing stuff with action, but I don't hear as much of the hate as much in in the betting space as I do in DFS, like DFS for whatever reason. I mean, people are vicious. Like they will (laughs) rip. I mean, they will like tear me apart as a human being, like deep down to my core for no reason. Whereas betting people who could possibly have a hundred thousand dollars on one of my picks, if they lose, they're not going to, I mean, they might say like F you, but like I had, no one's been mean chirping me for picks and usually my picks do pretty well. 
Well, we're very lucky to have you. Um, we're so excited and I'm sure the listeners are going to agree, but I know it sucks being on Twitter and in that space sometimes, but it could be worse. You could be Phil Mickelson right now. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to get into that right after this. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney Penny is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all. Even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. So we are back and at the Genesis, I would say the biggest storyline was the Saudi league versus the PGA tour. You had a ton of players coming out and pledging their allegiance towards the PGA tour, a ton of really big names, but there were a couple names that were kind of on the fence. People were speculating that they were going to go to the Saudi league. Dustin Johnson was one of them, Bryson DeChambeau and Phil Mickelson, Bryson, And DJ both said that they are going to stay with the PGA Tour. But this came after wild comments from Phil Mickelson. And he received a ton of pushback from everyone, from players, from outsiders, people who have never even watched golf, were really upset with what Phil Mickelson did. And he basically said that he is using the Saudi league and money to leverage more money out of the PGA tour. Um, he basically called them scary and that like, he doesn't agree with it, but who really cares? Cause I want to get more money. So I actually have the quote. Do you want me to read the yeah, quote? Read the quote. <laughs> so Phil said to Alan Chipnuck, um, 
for Alan Chipnuck's writing a book about Phil and Phil told him on the record, despite what Phil says, um, he said, we know they, the Saudis killed Washington Post reporter and U.S. resident Jamal Khashoggi and have a horrible record on human rights. They execute people over there for being gay. Knowing all of this, why would I even consider it? Because this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. I think there's better ways to do that maybe than (laughs) blood money, but you do you, boo, you do you. Not great. So Phil ended up coming out. And so after that, everyone basically was like, we're going with the PGA tour. And because of Phil, it pretty much ruined what seemed was going to happen. So Phil came out and had this probably the worst public apology that I have ever read. (laughs) It was so bad. And I don't understand how this happens because you see a lot of people who have been canceled and they get a lot of flack for their apology. They have huge PR companies. They have their teams. They have people around them. How are these apologies getting approved to be able to put out to the public? So Phil, it was, it was long. It was a long apology. He basically kind of started out saying that he was the victim, then moved into how he was doing this because he thought he was helping golf and helping, you know, younger players get more money. And then it moved into kind of like a a mental health. I'm taking a step back. It was all around just bad. He never really took responsibility, I think, because he stands by what he said and what he's doing. So I think my biggest issue with it is with anyone who's canceled and doing something. If you stand by it, stand by it. Say like, hey, like you, I like what I'm doing. I'm sorry that you took it this way, but I think this is right. And that's that. Or don't come out with an apology, but you could tell that it's a half-assed apology. He didn't care. And he just, it was bad. I don't, what are your thoughts? It was horrible. Yeah. So speaking to what you just said, um, here's a snippet that fits perfectly with that about that Phil said in his apology, and he says, there is the problem of the off the record comments being shared out of context and without my consent. But the bigger issue is that I used words that do not reflect my true feelings or intentions. Well, one, you've like said other stuff about it. So I I don't know how that's not your like intention when you've been trying to rile people up to join that tour. Second, like blaming the journalist and then getting all these people upset when people are already mad at journalists. Like that's, that's not fair. Like Alan Shipnuck's been around for a really long time and someone like Phil isn't going to call and talk to Alan Shipnuck if he thinks that Alan Shipnuck goes around and leaks people's conversations that are in fact off the record. So like, I have issues with that. Like just take responsibility, say maybe I have money problems or I don't know, like whatever his issue is that he really wants this Saudi thing to work out. I don't think it has anything really to do with reshaping the PGA tour because the PGA tour has so much money and they throw so much money at those players. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I, there's, there's, there's reading to be done between the lines with everything Phil Mickelson has said. Well, and I think that we have seen this before too, where 
someone slips up. Like we're all going to slip up. We're all going to say something. We're all going to misspeak at some moment. And you've seen players who have done this in the past who are universally well-liked. It blows over within a couple days. But I think with this, people have had an issue with Phil for a very long time. You've heard behind the scenes stories that he pretends to be the smartest guy in the room. He's very cocky. He just maybe isn't always the best person. And so for this to happen, it's almost like people have been waiting for it, for them to finally come out and express how they really feel. And one of the players that I think really feels this way is Roy McIlroy. He has been ripping Phil the entire time, has not held back. And you're seeing other players as well just have no support for Phil. And I think with this apology, Even before when he was coming out with what he was saying, there was a big portion of the golf community who were in support of Phil's comments. If you looked at golf Twitter, I would say, you know, Instagram posts, there were actually people who were like, I agree with Phil, but this apology He already had one side of, you know, the community against him. Now he has two because he went back on what he said. So he really is in a very difficult position right now. And a lot of people are talking about is his reputation ruined forever? I mean, Phil has been known as kind of the the player's champion. And when he won the PGA, it was huge. And people were all about Phil. And all of a sudden it's Everyone's on a 180 and it's a, we all hate Phil and everyone's coming out and kind of like non-support of him at all. Even the players that were kind of teetering on maybe going over to the league have said nothing in support of Phil. Yeah. Phil, it's just, Phil's just kind of, I don't know. It's like, yeah, see, I'm at like a loss of words because it's just such a weird situation. Like I personally don't like totally understand him being canceled because of what he said, I think it's terrible. I mean, you know, obviously he's acknowledging the fact that like a government murdered a journalist who's a U.S. citizen or a U.S. resident, like that's not okay. But at the same time, like he didn't, from my knowledge, he didn't spew anything racist, anything like sexist to my point, like from what I heard. So I look at this comment and just say, Phil's ignorant. Phil obviously loves money more than he loves air. And that's not good. And maybe Phil needs to go to like therapy or something. But I, I, I don't know. I'm so curious, like behind the scenes, like what had to have led to them canceling him. Granted, you know, he's blocking everyone on Twitter or yeah, on Twitter. He's, you know, running his, he's just tweeting, like he's doing all this weird stuff. Like the thing where he might not have won the pip and just said he did, but actually got second. I think it's just like a culmination of all of that stuff. Now I'm answering my own question. I think it's just a culmination of all that stuff that kind of led to them being like, we're done. It kind of seems from someone who has, when I first started this and I was getting a ton of hate, I would do things kind of out of character because I was having a nervous breakdown. It almost seems as if he is under so much pressure that he is having a nervous breakdown. And even at the end of his statement, he was like, I need to take a minute away from all of this because the, the pressure of being in the public eye and uh, everything that's going on is just too much for me. And so like, I can see how you say things that are out of character. You do things that are out of character because you're, you just don't know how to handle the pressure that is on you. And I almost think that with the advancements of social media within his career, 
it's been a detriment to him, even though it's like, it was so great in the beginning and everyone loved him. Mm-hmm. He seems a little too soft for social yeah. media. No, he did. He did. And I'm, I'm just going to interrupt you real quick. He did because when he got first got on Twitter, he was already searching his name, like not even at, like not searching his ads or mentions. He was just searching Phil space Mickelson. So he was going through and reading just anytime someone said Phil or someone said Mickelson. So I think that's not healthy. You shouldn't do that. You know, you're down bad when you're searching your name and in Dubai, I was literally searching my name every 10 seconds, you know, cause it's like, you want to see what people are saying. You want to know what's going on. But see, he was doing this when he got on Twitter, when people were liking him, like when he was being funny and cool and like doing this weird diet stuff. But I think it's, you can only be so loved for so long. You're always going to have the downfall. And I almost think that it was better for me to come in with people hating me because it's only, you can only go up from there. But at some point within social media, you're going to falter. You're going to say something, you're going to do something. And if you came in beloved and everyone loving your stuff, it really takes a hit on your ego. And especially someone like Phil, who does seem to be very ego driven. I'm sure that was really hard on him for people to be saying these things to him, especially if he's dealing with any personal issues, but I I can't see anything anymore because I am blocked on Instagram and on Twitter. You are not though. So how I don't know how this I literally tweeted like three things. So the first, so when, 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 um, Charlie Hoffman did his Instagram post and tagged like, uh, the Saudi government and Riggs, like, yeah, like as Riggs tweeted, like the barstool guy will get it done. Like that was my favorite. So yeah. So Phil, like I tweeted all this stuff about him and then he went through and blocked everyone. He didn't block me. So originally I was like, oh, maybe he just like thinks I'm attractive or something. I don't know. And then I went, no, he obviously likes blondes and Paige is way hotter. So if he blogged her, like, I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he has me muted. (laughs) And I've never said anything, even throughout all of this, except for probably today, I haven't really engaged in any of this conversation because quite frankly, it's scary on both sides. And I don't really want to get involved with either side. Cause I just feel like it's again, it's huge organizations with a lot of money and you just don't want to be on the wrong side of either of them. And so it's, it's been a balancing act, I think for me in the media of like, what do I say? How do I say it? You know, cause you want to have an opinion, but sometimes it's like, oh, maybe I don't want to have an opinion on this one. And we're seeing it again with Phil, where he took one side and it was definitely the wrong side. And I mean, are we going to see him playing golf again? Are we going to see him at the majors? Is he going to be a Ryder cup captain? I, I mean, this could really taint his entire career could just always have this like kind of bad feeling when you talk about Phil Mickelson. You know, I saw someone, I want to say it was like golf digest talked to like crisis management experts. And they said like, Phil will overcome this. Like, I think people will just forget. Like, I think something else crazy in golf is going to happen. Like tiger's good. You know, if tiger plays in the masters, no one's ever going to talk about this Phil stuff again. You know what I mean? Like, it's just something else is going to happen that people are just going to kind of forget. And then a few years later, they're, you know, back to normal. Like, I, I think the contributions that Phil has made to the game of golf, there's, I mean, there's just no way that, you know, he's, he's not going to 
overcome it. Cause I feel like, I don't know, maybe the people that are like the most disappointed in him are people that were always kind of like fooled by the facade. Yeah. But if you just kind of see through phony people, like I just, I always took Phil at face value, you know, I never, or whatever, whatever. I just, you know, I just never, I wouldn't have put like, I don't know. I just, but I, I think he'll overcome it. I, I would be kind of shocked if he didn't. I mean, people have done a lot worse in recent history are still doing fine. So I just, I think he'll be okay. What do you think? I, no one's ever canceled. Unless it's something like truly, truly horrible. Most people can bounce back. And like you were saying, something else will happen in golf. Tiger's going to win the Masters and, and everyone's going to forget about. But I think the person who's enjoying this the most is Tiger Woods because oh, yeah. he probably, obviously there has been a well-documented hatred between the two of them. And it was probably so frustrating for Tiger to know the Phil behind the scenes that no one else would see, but Tiger was getting all of this hate. And honestly, this stuff probably would have come out a lot sooner if Tiger didn't exist. I think that Tiger always overshadowed all of the other players mm -hmm. and, you know, his scandals or storylines. And so Phil was probably just like tiptoeing his way through all yeah. of this and was just like thumbs upping everyone. Well, you know, he was probably the one that most people didn't like and people like Tiger. So I'm sure Tiger's probably sitting back just kind of laughing a little bit about this one yeah and that's the thing because I I find Tiger to kind of be like a no BS kind of person like deep down like if he likes you like you're good so if he doesn't really like you like I think that kind of says more about you than him yeah and that's kind of what I I don't know it's kind of what I think it's kind of what I think but it'll it'll just be interesting to see what happens with all this but I think if anyone has anything interesting to say it's like Rory <laughs> Rory is a gem. We love Rory. He is so great. He always says the right things. He's so we get him on the pod. <laughs> seriously, he's so articulate. He just says what everyone else is thinking. And it's great to hear someone who is actually on tour playing and involved in this. He just doesn't give a fuck. He's just like, I'm gonna say what I want to say. And like I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. If I knew I had to see Phil again, I probably wouldn't say that. I mean, I'm blocked. I don't care what I, what I say now. Like I'm never gonna see him. So it's like it's fine. But like having to deal with you know these players every day and he's just like you know what you're greedy and I don't like you <laughs> yeah that is pretty ballsy and you know I think John Rahm and like Patrick Cantlay have also not in this situation but just golf recently like they have very well like not they have interesting things to say like you know when Rom pledged his fealty to the to the PGA tour like one that's awesome two like can we give this man like a lion and a coat of arms and three <laughs> Like everyone should have to pledge their fealty. Which is also an interesting dynamic because his caddy agent is Phil Mickelson's brother. And when he oh. was playing ASU, Phil Mickelson's brother, Tim, was the coach there. So he has a great relationship with John Rom. So I also thought that was an interesting dynamic too, because I'm sure he has been in the loop on everything. And for him to so, you know, outwardly just be like, oh, I love the tour. I will never leave. And it's, it's not about the money. I, I thought was even more powerful than what Rory or any other player said, because again, he probably knows all of the ins and outs of what's going on. No, that's a great point. I didn't even think of that, but yeah, that's, that's one of those things where it's like, there's, 
so much going on behind the scenes. Like next week, I'll um, be down at the Arnold Palmer Invitational and I haven't been to an event since the RSM. So I'm very looking forward to just hearing what the chatter is around the range, just what people are saying, like away from social media and just to each other. Like, I just, I haven't, you know, I haven't really been up close and personal with anyone in a while. So this will, that'll be a good opportunity just to know what people are thinking. Well, yeah. And then you can come on the podcast and spill every secret. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, Saudi made me uh, sign an NDA. So. <laughs> is it on record or off record? <laughs> it's off record guys. It's, come talk to me. It'll all be off record. <laughs> Last thing about Phil before we move into Alan Shipnuck and him, did he save the tour? <laughs> but do you think Phil is going to lose more sponsors? I think it's done. I think if he was going to get dropped, he probably would have already get gone dropped already. Um, we just have KPMG, which dropped him really quickly. I feel like, I, I mean, that was coming. Yeah, you know, so that's a good point. I was thinking about the KPMG. Um, the <sighs> They, I think because they are so into like female empowerment. Yeah. Yeah. That's because I was trying to think of how they word it, like just kind of like global empowerment and like, yeah, women's, they, they had those like Arabia's break opposite. the glass ceiling with like right. Stacey Lewis and I think what Maria. Yeah. So I think I, I can kind of see it from that point of view where they kind of did um, the quickness and I get I get Amstel they didn't want to be the first and they didn't want to be the last and they did what they needed to do for their company what they believe they need to do so I think you and know, that one kind of snuck in too I don't think a lot of people know that he has lost that sponsor as well I think everyone was just talking about KPMG because they were the first one yeah exactly and that's the thing I think that's kind of why I think um you know kind of want to just fly under the radar with that stuff but yeah I can't imagine. I mean he's not going to lose Callaway I'm sure they would love to cut him because I think they cut a, well no they cut like a lot of their players I want to say 10% there was a staff player that told me that he's like yeah they cut people 10% when they signed Rom so guys like on the European tour who aren't making that much money or I mean they're making good money but like their contracts get slashed because you know they bring on Rom yeah. so Callaway essentially gets Rom for free and if like you know if they did get rid of Phil and actually probably help them but I that's not gonna happen well they don't even really need Phil anymore because they That's have so saying. many young successful players that I, I mean no one's really talking about Phil anymore I mean we're talking about Phil a ton now but even like before the PGA I feel like PGA was kind of like his comeback no one before that was yeah. really talking about him yeah because do you remember I think it what was it 2019 did he win once or twice because remember he beat, beat JT in the oh playoffs, yeah like in the season um west coast or maybe it was mexico or something but he like won i want to say he won twice but it was like once or twice he won a big event like he so he had, you know he kind of had like the resurgence and then 2020 yeah 2019 and then he went on the diet and he did all the weird stuff and then 2020 happened and it's like it didn't exist and my brain just doesn't function from then and then now i'm starting to get like human memory back and i well, i don't even know what we're talking about so yeah, Phil, just, just Phil being Phil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but what, what was interesting though, is that Alan Shipnuck has been writing this book on Phil and he's been sitting on these quotes for a very, very long time. Yeah. And it was interesting, the timing of which he released it or dropped it. And people are now saying that he saved the tour because of these comments, it seemed that the Saudi league 
basically disappeared overnight, completely fell apart. And we were seeing a lot of players just kind of like mysteriously withdraw from events and not playing tour events. And then all of a sudden they weren't commenting on certain things. And then those, that quote came out next day, official, you know, um, that's the word I'm looking yeah. for, uh, allegiance towards the PGA yeah. tour. So it was very interesting how that one quote pretty much changed the entire landscape of what was happening in the golf community. No, I agree. I definitely think it was, I think it was good timing. Um, it was, it was on the record. I mean, he was interviewing Phil on the phone for the book. Like he wasn't asking him some salacious, hot gossip about who's sleeping with who. No, it was like, you know, for the book. So I think Alan timed it very well. And, and I feel bad for all the hate that Alan is getting, but Alan's one of those people that I think he kind of likes it. Like he probably like, he kind of enjoys it. He's like, yeah, it's there. I'm making a difference. But like, I give, I mean, I, I think uh, it's just, it's all about timing. All about timing. And then the off the record, on the record, I did an interview with Alan five years ago, four or five years ago. And I was, he's so easy to talk to and yeah, he so has this knack of getting things out of you that maybe you didn't particularly want to say in that moment. And I remember we were just talking and I forgot that we were doing this interview and I was telling him how I was a bit crazy in college. And I like jumped off this roof, like with no clothes on into the pool, but I didn't say off the record and it ended up in the article so again like I can see how like that would happen where it's like you're having a conversation and all of a sudden you just kind of forget that like that that's going to be in there but again that's my responsibility to be fully aware of like what I'm saying and if you do say this is off the record they will not put it in there like that is something that is super important and it's I mean you just have to say that. So for Phil, for all of these years and all of the interviews that he has done, he should have known what was on the record and what was off the record. And for him to not take responsibility for his comments, which align very clearly with all of his other very public statements of calling like the PGA tour greedy and even some of the things that he has done, you know, with the USGA, when he ran and picked his ball up, stuff like that. He has always kind of protested um, the organizations, the big organizations within golf. And so it's not like something he said that was so wild and out there. It aligned perfectly with everything else that he has done and has said in his career. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of amazing too. Like, like you said, I'm sure Tiger took a lot of, um, the spotlight away from Phil and some of the other players. Uh, but like, how long has Phil made his career? He's like 50, 51 now. And he made it this far without really having that many crazy issues that are like headline news. So he's obviously, I don't know, every once in a while, like the starts to shatter. Yeah. I am actually really interested what Bryson DeChambeau is going to do now because he was 
it seemed like he was going to go over to the Saudi league. I mean, there still wants to. And well, even when he dropped his, I'm staying on the PGA tour, he's, he didn't outwardly say like, I support the PGA tour. I want to stay here and play here. He just said, if the best players in the world are here, I will stay here. And so it definitely left the door open mm-hmm. for him to leave at some point. There was also speculation that $135 million was thrown his way to be the face of the Saudi league, which is, I mean, that's enticing for anyone. I don't care who's yeah. listening, what your morals are, who you are. If someone puts $135 million in front of your face and says, what are you, what would you do for this? I'm mm-hmm. sure your wheels would spin. You know, people would yeah, go, oh, a lot of money. Well, what would I do for this kind of type of money? I mean, you're set up for the rest of your life. But I mean, Bryson's set up for the rest of his life anyway, if he's managing his money correctly. Like he's won so much money on the PGA Tour. He's won- how many times he's won like what five or seven or 10 mm-hmm. times on the PGA tour. So that's an extra million, 2 million from your sponsors and from all this stuff. So he has made so much money that when people say like, like when Jason Kokrak was like, I want to retire at 44. Okay. What the, what do you want to do? Do you want to small buy like small countries with that <laughs> money? Like what, what are you doing with your money that you can't retire now? You just won twice last year on the PGA tour when like to date, was the biggest purses uh, until now, you know, it's like, uh, uh, what? Like, there's just, it, it just makes me wonder. It's like, do, do you want to buy countries? Do you want to buy, I don't know, the moon? Well, it's, it's just, hard to feel bad for these guys who are already making so much money and they're complaining that they're not making enough money. It, like you're saying, it's like, how much more money do you need? What do you want to do with this money? And maybe with Bryson, I can maybe see that for him, it's a media play, being able to own all of his, uh, the, the copyright to all the videos that maybe could be something that yeah. might be, I mean, I'm just trying to think of literally any, any possibility or reason why he would want to do that when, like he said, all of the best players in the world are playing on the PGA tour and they want to play on the PGA tour. So there has to be something outside of just uh, winning or playing against the best. There's some other reason. And I don't know if it's money or if it's the media rights or whatever it may be, but it's, it has to be something else. So for me, I have, I thought that, a lot of the Bryce and stuff just came from a place of wanting to be liked. So if you go over and you're the face of Saudi golf league, like, I don't know how they would market it. Like say they market it the way they market cricket or something in the middle East or not cricket, um, soccer. And you're the face and these people love you because these Saudis are putting out a very controlled message of you. These people can't say F you Bryson, stop eating Chick-fil-A. You look chunky. Like, you know, they're, these people aren't going to say anything bad about you. They're going to idolize you. You're going to be like a Supreme leader to them. So I give, you know, when you're, when the message is controlled and you're telling people, and that's what I'm saying, when you're telling people what to think, that would be my guess is because they're, more so like in a propaganda way, I would assume kind of telling people like worship Bryson. And I think that's what Bryson's always wanted. Cause that's why else would he go to the world long drive tour? Where else would he buy a steak in it? Why else would he hang out with Kyle Berkshire? Who hasn't had a haircut in like 15 years. Granted talented kid. Good for him. But like, I, I just, you, you hang, you're supposed to surround yourself with people that are better than you. And Kyle Berkshire hits the ball a lot farther than Bryson does. Bryson should maybe be trying to hang out with, I mean, Tiger's not out there, but you know, like maybe guys like Rory and yeah, Yeah. he's hanging out with like teenagers. 
too. Like very Lots young kids. I can't even drink. Yeah. Yeah. All that's right. very interesting. I, I mean, you're a genius. Like I never even thought about that, that like every single move and it makes so much sense. Every single I move that wrong. he is. No, but like, if you think of his career and everything that he's done, he wants to be liked and he's trying so hard to be, um, yeah for people to like him and approve of him. And that makes perfect sense. It's almost like a fresh start for him where he can go somewhere else and Mm -hmm. actually have people cheer for him and not yell Brooksy at him. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm sure at times that's very exhausting when you're going out and playing on a a field that like people don't really probably like you. I mean, fans and and players alike. I mean, it, it, it must be really, really difficult. So I can see how that could be really appealing and as someone who is a people pleaser that crosses your mind like wow like I'm going to be worshipped for the first time in my entire life and probably feel like I have a place that is mine and I am the leader and I'm the head guy there and they can't say anything bad about me or like what are they gonna do you know and that and that's the thing it's like I almost want to just have a sit down with Bryce and be like listen people will like you if you are just honest about yourself to yourself. Like if you just embrace that you're weird and you say things that you shouldn't say, and you want to try these weird things, like you can do that, but you have to do it in such a way that like, you're not being a dick about, I don't know. There's just, there's a way to do it. And I would say the same for Brooks. Like there's a way to do what you do without making people think that you're going to take their lunch money. Like if they look at you wrong, you know, like I'm kind of scared of Brooks, like as a human, like he kind of scares me, like, you know, it's, (laughs) It's just like, there's just ways to do what you want to do without, I don't know. Like, I feel like, you know, I kind of will riff on people, but I also, I will make fun of myself. I, I take Same. the piss better than anyone else because I'm like, you know, I get it. I know my flaws. Like, come on, just joke about it. Like, oops, just dropped my phone for the 15th time. Like, yeah, it's the transparency. Way. And even yeah. what Jason Kokraft, when he came out and he said, you know what it is about the money and this is important and good to for me. Him. And, and people were actually like, you know what? I, I, maybe I don't support it, but I get it. And I'm glad that you were completely honest about it and transparent about why you would want to go over there. And I think definitely we've we've talked about this so much with Bryson, try to always like psychoanalyze him, but, (laughs) but I think if he was just genuine and authentic to who he really is and being Mm -hmm. a bit nerdy and goofy and weird, people would actually really gravitate towards him because he is different. We have seen you know, his personality come out. I think at the Ryder Cup was a good example. Driving the green at Bay Hill was also great. It's like he has these glimpses where it's like, okay, you seem like a real person. And then he does something, he says something a little bit weird. It seems, it seems so contrived and just like he's trying to fit this yeah. brand, this image. It's not exactly who he is. And so I, I think that's great advice. I, what advice would you give to Greg Norman right now, who is literally swimming with the fishies I mean he is just like not doing well not keeping his head above water I mean he 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 wanted the Saudi league to work out and now he's he's screwed (laughs) he's another guy that's like really into this money and he's just sketchy he likes power right so in the 90s he was buddy buddy with Bill Clinton George Bush comes into office. He's buddy, buddy with George Bush. So it like, it doesn't matter what side you're on. He just wants the power and the money. Like, you know, he got run out of medalist for good reason, you know? So he's just trying to find his new thing. Like the the golf course he built in Texas, they played one tour event there and we're like, well, we're never coming back here. I, 
I think. And it's just like, I, I, I don't know. It's like any 65 year old man who's walking around with a hammer in his pants and like shirtless and posting like ass pics on Instagram. I like, I just question you. And I don't know what he's on his third wife. Maybe he didn't sign a prenup for any of them. So that might be why he needs this money so bad. I don't know, but I just, I just don't trust him. Like there's just something, I don't know when you're so intent to do business with, I don't want to say the enemy because technically the United States militarily, we are allies with them, you know, keep checks on Iran, but I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. Side note, everyone always signed the prenup, uh, just saying, and we do have shark, the ESPN doc that is coming out. I don't really care to watch it, to be honest. Yeah. I'm going to watch it because uh, yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things that are going to come out of it, maybe. Yeah. But like when the Tiger Doc came out, everyone was like dying to watch it and everyone was like talking about it. I don't even feel like people were really talking about this when it was announced. Like it was just kind of like, this is happening. Okay great but it wasn't like an excitement at all <laughs> what are they gonna talk about yeah I only well, one I only found out about it like yesterday too like how how who wants to go back and relive their major meltdowns at Augusta like that it's coming out two days before the master starts on a Tuesday I want to say it's like April 5th and why would you want to go back and relive? Was it 96 and 99? Like, why would you, why would, why would he want to do that? Like, it's just weird. Like there was no triumph in the end, you know, it's just collapsed on the back nine. Like Nick Faldo, who actually, when I said, when I said probably didn't sign prenups, I was, I was like thinking of Nick Faldo, but um, he's married like 15 times. So that, that, that is what I was thinking of. So I, I don't know. I just, remember Norman he did the U.S. Open stuff and they were like nope you suck get out of here like it's just everything he does turns to shit and it's like you know some people have the Midas touch Greg Norman has like the HPV touch or something I don't know you just it's I don't know just don't let him touch anything around you well it's even when you're talking about social media it's even when he tries to be like funny or like do things that are like we don't even see his dick no no and that's coming from someone who like I openly flaunt everything on Instagram but like I'm not gonna be doing that when I'm like 65 like there is a time and a place in my 20s is the time and the place but like at a certain point like he did like naked shower shots I know like fully erect penis, like next to his dog. Like who took that picture, by the way, also? I how know. How that picture even like, how did that even Who happen? gets an erection walking on the beach is my next question. That's it's not ways. even a nudie beach. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, are they going to talk about that in the doc? Like what, I'm, we have his failures, but like, I don't really know that much about him. And you have like the good things. I'm like really trying to think. And I'm like, okay, he was married to like Chris Everett. And then I got divorced. And then like his son is hot. I don't know if he's still (laughs) hot. He was hot like 10 years ago, Greg Jr. 
Okay. Maybe we'll talk. Like, what else are they going to talk about? Maybe they were probably going to talk about like the Saudi League coming together, and maybe that was a big part of it. Like, I I don't know. That's a great question. We do actually. We should like live stream it on Twitch or something. Just live reactions. (laughs) What is happening? We'll turn it into a podcast too. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Well, in like kind of more relaxed topics of the week. <laughs> we had Joaquin Neiman win at Riviera, which seemed like such an obvious pick. I don't know why I didn't pick him. Uh, he is such a good young player and he is going to be good for a very, very long time. Solid over, uh, overall game, um, really great short game, good putter, just consistent and like very level headed too. Like he just never gets too up, too down. He's just kind of always in the mix. Yeah, I agree with that. Like he, he won really early on. It was like 2018 or 2019, the Greenbrier fall series, like got off to a good start. He's been playing in the big events since then. And, you know, I, he, I feel like the mentorship that he has, like with with Sergio I don't know if it's like a big brother little brother mentor friend whatever it is I think that seems to help because I think Sergio's at a point in his life where he's kind of at peace or more at peace with his career and I think understands his value in the game which is you know he's a very he he is he brings a lot to the game and he has over the last two decades that's a that's a doc I'd actually like to see Sergio Garcia's career over Greg Norman yeah no, I would love to do. Actually, it's funny because Sergio, do you remember when Sergio dated Greg Norman's daughter and he oh my like, God, I she forgot broke about up with him? That. It was like the greatest heartbreak of his life. I forgot about that. Good Sergio. But yeah, like I think I want to say Neiman has Sergio's old caddy. I want to say something like Colin or something. And maybe I, I swear he caddied for Sergio. Maybe he looks like someone who's caddied for Sergio, but he has like someone on the back who we think he's caddied for Sergio. So he, there's a lot of positivity and good stuff going on. Um, and, and also speaking of Instagram, I was creeping on his girlfriend's Instagram because I was like, oh, she's really pretty. So I just want to see who she was. And there were like pictures of them from when Joaquin still had braces and he was like ripped. Like he's still ripped. He is like muscular, has abs, like he's skinny, maybe 150, you know, soaking wet, but like he was ripped. I was like, good for you, girl. Like, okay. I don't know. There's something about golfers and just having like the hottest girlfriends and the hottest wives. I think yeah, about- it's money and here <laughs> buy whatever purse you want. It's fine. Yeah. I mean the purse, like you just walk around and you're like, Oh, she's definitely dating a golfer, but you think about like other sports and I'm like, golfers have the hottest wives. In comparison, I would say, because like, you know, NBA football wives, there's a lot of hot chicks there. And I don't actually, I don't even know what they would look like. Cause I don't really follow wags but like yeah the golf ones you can, i mean they have a look there are a lot now that are very plastic surgery heavy so if you see someone with the like with the cheekbones out and the lips really big and like claw like nails then probably is your girl um so maybe follow her around for a little bit but that that's like the look so there's a lot of really naturally beautiful like rory's wife is gorgeous but then yeah. there's also like just people where i'm like what plastic surgeon was that? And how do we get him out of business? Seriously. But it's because golfers also aren't very cute too. Like I'm really trying to think of like 
and you have obviously like Adam Scott, but with other athletes, like hockey players, baseball players, they're actually like, if I saw them walking down the street, I'd be like, oh, like you're, you're cute too. No wonder you have like a hot girlfriend. But you look at some of the golfers and you're like, there's no way you'd ever pull that girl in real life if you were not a professional golfer, but it's like, <laughs> they are so hot, like yeah. so good looking. And, and you look at the, the guy and you're just like, mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, I... it's definitely not their personality either. I'll say that. That is true. Like I said, it's you know the that's why the guys need to go to Saudi Arabia to keep up with who they're pulling. Like, <laughs> duh. Oh gosh, so we're on the Honda Classic this week, and this I I hate picking for this tournament. I feel like it's hard. It's like probably one of the hardest courses to pick a winner on. It's very difficult. Um, the course played it was a beast beast. So it's an interesting tournament. Really. They would get good fields and they just don't really get the top players anymore. Um, cause of how it's the schedule has now been aligned, but I don't really, I don't really like the Florida swing. I'm just going to say it. Really? I don't like, I love the West girl. I know. I love so it's your time. Like you got like, so for me, I love the Florida swing, like Florida Gator and being on the East coast. And that was always like getting into March. So as soon as March started, that was like when my golf season would start, you know? So it was like, okay, it reminds me of like kind of spring and the snow being done. So I think that's why I like it. But I also like, I just like Florida golf courses. Like they're terrible because they're just manufactured and they all look the same. But at the same time, like when you get a course that is really windy or just something special about it, that's, it's exciting. In the grass. I hate, oh, I hate Bermuda. I hate Bermuda. So I grew up in Colorado playing on bent grass and mm, yeah. perfect. Perfect. And then I would go to Florida and I'm like, I can't chip on this. I can't put on this. I can't read yeah. this. Like what the fuck is grain? Like none of it. I just couldn't get it at all. And I always said, if you want to be an amazing player, grow up in Florida and play yeah. in Florida because it's just difficult. It's just harder conditions with the humidity, the grass. Like you really have to like know what you're doing. Well, it doesn't go as far. I'm convinced. Like it does not go as like far. 10 yards shorter in Florida. Like I, I know for a fact, like it, that has to like, there's just no way. Yeah, it just doesn't go anywhere. And you look at some of the best players, especially, you know, on the LPGA side, they're all from Florida or they've gone to an academy in Florida. And I'm like, seriously, parents out there listening, if you want to raise a tour player, go to Florida (laughs) and make them play there because you will be so much better if you play golf in Florida. Yeah. I don't know. But again, I, so we both work (laughs) in the sports betting space and (laughs) we have to give golf picks every single week. I haven't hit an outright this year so far. I've been struggling. Really? Yeah. Actually, no, that, that, I I shouldn't say really. I mean, they are hard to pick. I haven't hit one either, but I was thinking like, you haven't hit like a top 10 or something. No, I got got the top 10s. I got the top 20s. The outrights though have been so difficult. I had Zalatoris at, was it the Amex or was it Farmers? Wherever he lost in the playoff, I had, um, I had Zalatoris picked on the gimme and like they, the, our producers had like done a whole like little thing of it just to be like, Hey, look, we got the pick. And like, after the hours of work on that, he ended up losing and they were like, (laughs) great. It's hard. So what is your process week by week when it goes into who you're going to pick? So first I just kind of think I'm like, okay, 
who does this event remind me of? Like when I think of this event, like when I think of Honda Classic, I think of Ricky Fowler. I think a little bit of Sung Jay just because it was so recent, but I think of a player like Ricky, who's good in the wind, Daniel Berger, good in the wind, yeah. good putter. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for guys that tend to do well, like in that area of courses, or if we get to an event where it's like kind of a weird field and, but it's like Poe greens, I'll look for whoever has the best stats on those greens. So you just like look for, or guys, if I know it's going to be really windy, I'm going to like start with the guys that are really good in the wind. So it just kind of, figuring out recent form in past form and that's it's just kind of the culmination of that yeah what about you that's how I would do it and that's like originally but lately (laughs) since it's been like all over the place I mean we've had so many first-time winners it's been just hard to make picks and so Mm -hmm. I'll kind of go through that same process but then I'll just think of someone completely random completely (laughs) random and like for this week the honda i gave um sam Ryder, ct pan and danny willett and danny willett that's a good one he was up there yesterday i haven't looked at the yeah yeah not doing too bad sam Ryder fought back i think ct was even so they're they're in the mix but again it's like you never know who's going to win. And of course, probably this week, it's like Daniel Berger is going to win, of course. Yeah. And it's like such an obvious pick, but it, it's been really difficult lately. I feel I like with the majors, five. who'd you have? I had, I had Daniel Berger for top five. I like that. I like that. Who'd you pick Thank for you. outright? Oh, I picked uh, Denny McCarthy. I, you know, I'm waiting for Denny to win. I really thought something picked him was for a top happen. 20. Yeah. Yeah. But I, so I picked him for top 10 and outright and no, I didn't pick him for DFS, but he I'm not sure if he's going to make the cut. He was like one over when I looked a few hours ago. So I'm kind of like, that's my hill to die on. But of course the week that maybe I don't pick him, he's going to win. So I have to just keep doing it. Um, that was me with Jason Kokrak last year. I picked him week after week, after week, after week, like constantly I picked him every single week. And I'm like, you know what? I'm fucking done with this. I'm not going to pick him anymore. And then he won. So it's funny you say that. So the CJ cup, I was out there in Vegas and I was at the Aria sports book with a few people and buddies in golf media. And one of the guys says, let's go walk to the sports book. I was, I was talking to co-crack earlier and he likes this place. I'm going to go put 25 bucks on him. I think he, or 20 bucks on him. He ended up getting like two, 2,500 out of it. Like it was, so he ended all he did was put $20 down. He's like, I think co-crack's going to win Aria sports book. And then co-crack wins that week. And I, we were like, what <laughs> like, how what 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 like how he was like the 90 to one it was something crazy that's insane I think that we're gonna see a lot of first-time winners just week to week but I do think yeah. with the majors I don't think we're gonna see a first-time winner I feel like it's gonna be yeah. the usual suspects and for majors actually much easier to pick for than just everyday weeks no, I definitely think so. You know, Louis stays in top 10. You're like kind of good to go. John Rom top 10, you're good to go. But then, but then you get, you know, like you have a Phil. Phil wins the PGA. Who the heck saw that coming? What was he, 250 to one or something? Like insane. He must have so, needed the money. Yeah. <laughs> he probably had money on himself. He's like calling his bookie from the ninth tee. All right, put another hundred grand on there. We got this. Let's go. <laughs> maybe maybe that's why though he started playing really bad to get the odds to shift and then he could put money on himself 
Yes, exactly. He, that that the next is going to be the Phil Doc on um on oh Netflix. Did you watch one with the bad? It was called like Bad Sport or whatever, and they were like um whatever they were uh rigging the basketball games or whatever the betting for it. So that's what Phil's doing. He's not doing that. Disclaimer at police. He's not <laughs> not not doing that. Nothing's true <laughs> on this podcast. Do not go after Phil. Don't Phil Pete Rose Mickelson. <laughs> Phil Pete Rose Mickelson. Okay. Well, I think that that is enough golf talk for today. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do some TNA to wrap this episode up. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast, How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes, and Stafford and Mutual Weave for him, style and comfort for all, even big and tall, plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. back with some T and A and the first question is for me it says hardest part about being a homeowner so far man do, do you own a home nope I live in my dad's smart move um I would no, say you, that you're a real adult so I'm interested you I want to hear what you have to say yeah no um I say that as my parents are now living with me so yes. <laughs> I them to Colorado with me. I'm like, I can't be alone. Come Aww. with me. Um, so I would say the hardest part is just the process. I, I mean, it's such a long, difficult process. And when I first moved into this house, kind of everything was falling apart. I think they built it uh, fairly quickly to get it done. We were on a timeline. And um, for example, like they didn't hook the 
hose up to the washer and dryer correctly. Oh, and no. so it flooded and then it leaked downstairs oh, no. and it was like dripping all over like my new couch that I got, like leather couch. Oh, no. And so it was like little things like that, or, you know, we can't get certain appliances in, um, doors are a little like wonky. So it's like oh. small little things that you have to do. And obviously like the supply chain has been very fucked up. So it's like getting furniture. <laughs> I, as you can see with my beautiful background right now, I'm sitting on an outdoor chair using (laughs) that's so funny I thought I liked I like the color scheme though it's like the Kanye Kim minimalist I do like it the gray furniture and then (laughs) I am using as a stand for my mic and my computer um a shelving for my closet so I took all the bins out to put it on and then outside um do have a tv which is nice but we're using Nico's dog beds as chairs so (laughs) sitting on the floor on a dog bed Nico was like (laughs) get out of my place like what are you doing um and then we have to keep bringing like chairs up and down places because it's like we're using this chair as like my office plus uh dining plus you know seating for tv and so that has been really difficult but hopefully it like all comes together um but yeah it's just like the little things that like add up and it just yeah. adds so much extra stress from you know now also being able to like pay for a house and like all of that stuff and so it's mm-hmm. it's hard being an adult but luckily like my parents are here and mm-hmm. it's funny when I was younger, I was like, I can't wait to move out. I can't wait to be in college by myself. I can't wait to own my own Mm -hmm. home. So I like just can be alone when I'm like 13, 15. Now as like a 28 year old, I'm Mm -hmm. like, mom, dad, I need you. Like be here with me. Like I love hanging Mm -hmm. out with my parents and my dad will like cook for me. And my mom will do like my laundry. And I'm like, this is, I need your parents coming and I'm coming over. <laughs> we have dad, You can sleep on the dog bed. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. My dad told me I had to start paying for my own groceries, which is fine. I mean, I am an adult and he's like, you need to think of me as your roommate, not your father. And I was like, okay, like you'll get mad about stuff. And then if I say like, oh, I think I'm like going to move out maybe. And he's like, well, what's the, why am I here? I'll just, I'll just sell the house. I don't, I don't need to be here. If you're just, I'm like, oh my God make up your mind. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I literally feel like I'm back to being 12. Like I I had an event at, um, ball arena, which is in Denver. And we were going to a basketball game. I had to do a VIP event for points bet. And they're like, Oh, like, do you need transportation? Like, do you, you know, take an Uber? I'm like, no, my mom is going to drop me off at the friends. (laughs) And then my mother is going to pick me up. (laughs) And I'm like, I sound so ridiculous right now. Like I'm so funny. I am like an adult who like owns a house. And I'm like, my mom's literally like dropping me off and picking me up. Like as they used to do like in the mall and stuff. So it's funny how everything goes, comes full circle. So parents, if you are going through the very difficult time of raising teenagers, they do end up loving you again. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I swear. Okay. Next question is uh, biggest pet peeve on the golf course. I would say that mine is slow players. Like I cannot stand someone who plays slow. And my other one is someone who complains when they're playing bad and like making excuses. That is the worst. Like first team, they're like, I haven't hit balls in like three months. I don't know what's happening. Like I hate that. Just play. No one cares. Like you're not going to impress me anyway. Like just go, just go. What's yours? I was going to say slow play, but you already said that. So I'm going to just say 
people at my golf course in general and you hear how i say my golf course because whatever golf course i am playing is my golf course i want to be the only person on any holes like i want the secret service treatment where there's two holes blocked off in front of me two holes blocked off behind me no one can see me and i am gonna do my thing so like I grew up playing, you know, I'd go out and I'd play by myself and there was never anyone on the course. And I, you know, I'd just walk 18 holes by myself every single day. And that's how I grew up playing. And so for me, like being at a club and, you know, it doesn't really matter. You're, you're, you have to play with people or like, I can't just go out and like play by myself. It's like, there's people there. And it's just, I, you know what I, okay. I am going to announce my fealty to Saudi Arabia in return for enough money to buy my own GD golf course that only I can play. Thank you very much. <laughs> and we will never see Amanda ever again. <laughs> oh my God, bye. Bye. You'll find me in like a, oof. I, I totally agree with that though, because there is nothing, n- not pledging my allegiance to them, the, what you said about the golf course, um, <laughs> is... There is nothing worse than when I want to play a relaxing round of golf and I, there's a possibility of being paired with someone. I can't, I can't do that. Like, especially, especially now, like I, I love meeting you guys. I love saying hi to you guys, but like, there are some days where I don't want to play golf with anyone. I want to wear no makeup. I want to not feel like I have to be on. I just want to like go and relax and just like duff it around the golf course there should be like an extra charge or something where it's like you can we put your tea time and be like I want to play alone and I will do anything possible to play alone because I hate that I hate playing with other people when I'm just like not in the mood I just want to go play alone I want to walk 18 alone or nine holes and like just not deal with anything and the thing that makes it hard, like not playing alone, especially like for me, like you, you, you know how to use Instagram. I like don't, I think my last post is maybe from like four months ago. I may have posted the PGA show, but that was like, just so people knew I left my house. <laughs> um, so I like, I can't stand like trying even when I'm just trying to work on my swing at the range like if I have something set up someone's gonna come and bother me and I'm just like stop like let me just do this it's embarrassing that you're seeing me taking a video on my I'm like let me just do this or like if I'm at the golf course and I look kind of cute or the lighting's good like I can't just take a picture of myself because that's awkward and people are like oh you need to get on Instagram it's like oh you want my foot in your ass like just leave me alone let me do what I want to do you don't know how many times I film like behind bushes or really I get so much social anxiety filming in public I people know who you are well I hate it and I think it's the same thing you're saying though it's like you're going out there you're doing a job like it's important for us to post on Instagram and I'm like my biggest fear is ending up on like influencers in the wild like I just like even like there's something about taking a selfie or like taking a picture of yourself that is so incredibly embarrassing and I can't like I can't do it so anytime I'm on the golf course I that's also why people are like how come there's never anyone out there when you're shooting or doing something like because I go at like five o'clock at night when there's no one there and I can just film without like anyone bothering me because I get so incredibly embarrassed by it so embarrassed and like you tell people are like looking at you and they're like oh there's this like dumb golf girl like I hate it I hate it so I, I get what you're saying it's the worst it's I think taking a selfie of yourself is like 
the new picking your nose at a stoplight. Like it's the thing that's like super embarrassing. And when people see you do it, it's like, oh no, you didn't. <laughs> you know? I can't, I can't do that. I bet people's pet peeves is girls who take pictures on golf course. <laughs> or girls that do podcasts together. Yeah. Can you imagine? Uh. Ew. <laughs> Okay. Next one is hobby. You always wanted to try, but never did. I have been, anyone who listens to the podcast knows that I've been talking about trying to do pottery for like the last six months. It's so fun. I've never, I still haven't taken a class. I don't. Yeah. I, and by it's so fun. Like I say, like, I know, um, I did like an after school once a week thing in, in like third grade where Mr. Slowick, the, uh, art teacher had us just doing pots on the wheel and actually my dad tried to throw one of like throw it away the thing I made in that like class thing and my dad was like can I throw this away I was like no and he's like well can you put it in your room I don't want to look at it and I was like excuse me this has been a staple of our kitchen counter since 2004 and you're trying to throw it away that's not how you treat a roommate that's not how you treat your roommate Oh god! So pottery for me—that's one thing I want to do. What's one hobby you've always wanted to try? You know, I don't know because I've done like a lot. I would say like kayaking, but I got into that last year, and then like archaeology or like paleontology stuff. But I did that in college, so like I've kind of done this stuff. Like if anything, like there's another. Uh, maybe the Bob Ross, like I, I started, I found Bob Ross on like one of those free OTT apps or whatever, like the app it was like Pluto or something. And it's like, there's a Bob Ross channel. And I started watching, I was like, man, he makes it look so easy with all of his happy mistakes. So I think I want it. Maybe I want to Bob Ross it up. If you ever need a sexy Bob Ross costume, I have one for you. Perfect. There we go. We're in business. Yeah. Halloween 2019 nice did you have did you have the wig and everything the wig the glasses everything it was like a bodysuit that like it's straight up your ass but it, it is worth it you can borrow it I'll wash it Thank you. <laughs> you don't even wash actually don't wash it you could sell it on ebay for you could sell it on ebay for Saudi money don't wash it <laughs> yeah who needs like that Scott sweater. <laughs> don't. god that fucking sweater he's such it's a so- good looking man why so one so his uh one of his uh aussie confidants who's a buddy of mine was like hey i'm gonna be i'll be with adam when he was doing some of the stuff after riv i'll ask him about the sweater for you and i was like you gotta ask him if it's one sweater multiple whatever he comes back to me he goes it's one sweater same one he's been wearing and i was like has he been washing it he goes he doesn't need to wash it it goes over his shirt and i was like whoa 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 So you're telling me that Adam Scott is walking around smelling like armpit right now and doesn't realize he's smelling like armpit and that he's so pretty that no one else realizes he's smelling like armpit. Like, I'm sorry, but you do. I mean, even if you're not sweating on the course, like when you warm up, your pits get a little sticky. Like, so after six, seven days of hitting balls and get like, you are beautiful and you are not unintelligent what are you doing? <laughs> That's just pretty privilege right there. <laughs> the definition camel of- sweater smelled like a camel, I'm sure. And he wears and, you it know, every day. It, it is, it's not like a- It's been the same sweater, unwashed, same sweater every day. You know what? That, that brought him down from like a 20 to like a 19 and a half. 
Yeah, I know. It was a big drop, but <laughs> huge drop. <laughs> okay, so we're going to wrap up with the best and worst score that you've ever had. So I will say I'll do tournament golf because I think that'll be easier. I shot my best score in tournaments is 64. I've shot that a couple times. And my worst score, I wouldn't say worst score, but like worst experience that I had when I was playing. Uh, there's two. Um, my mom signed me up for my very first 18 hole tournament and it ended up being an FCWT event, which is a big national league. Oh no. Oh no. And so it was at the Ridge at Castle Pines here in Colorado, which is also a very difficult golf course. And I was 12 years old, 13 years old, only been playing for about a year at that time. Um, never played 18 holes in a tournament before. It's a two day event. First day I shot a 96 and we were ecstatic. And then the next day I shot like a 116 or like a 106 or something. And it was hole number, we flipped the nine. So it was hole number eight. Um, so straight hill par, uphill par four, very difficult. I end up just like losing a couple of golf balls. I'm, I'm on the path to like I'll make like a 13 on the hole. I go up to my dad because my bag was at the top of the hill. And I'm like, dad, can you hand me my putter? And he's like, sure. And then the rules official came over and like slapped my dad's hands. Like you can't do that or she's going to get a penalty. And so I had to like walk all the way up and I was Aww. crying and it was cold out. I would say that was the worst or, um, us girls, my junior year of high school, sophomore year of high school. So I was like 15, uh, it was at Trump national in Bedminster. I played with Daniel Kang shot 76 the day before I was in the cut line to make it to the match play tournament. And then it was pouring rain. And this is when like all the college coaches are trying to recruit you. It's like a huge tournament. Daniel Kang shot like a 68 and I shot a, I think I shot like a 92. Like I, oh my gosh. it was, it was I poor thing. It was horrible horrible and I I made like a 10 and like a 12 and like all the college coaches just stopped watching me and I would say those are probably like the two worst tournament rounds that I have had oh so that makes me sad I um I know it is crazy how much weather can affect stuff right like it's just the pressure and then the weather it's it's golf is a lot it really is it's not just physical it's mental it's emotional I would say I think I had a tournament it's like a junior tournament. I don't remember where I just remember the first day I shot like a 91 and then the next day I shot like a 69 or a 70. So it was like two very different rounds. And it was like kind of early in my like tournament playing. So it was like, I didn't really know what was happening. And I was just like, yeah, okay, this is cool. I mean, it matters for nothing. Like no one really saw it, but also no one saw the 91. So it was fine. Yeah, we'll take it. that was like, yeah, it was like, it was like the opposite. It was like tale of just two humans playing golf. God, I did, I would do that all the time. Like I'd always start out pretty bad or mm-hmm. I would like, it was either one or the other. Like I always had a really good first round, a horrible second round and a really good last round. Like when I was playing yeah. professionally, like cactus tour events, like I would always blow up the second round for some reason. I was like, if I played really well, the first night, there's just no way I can play well the second day. I mean, who could do that? Yeah. It's not possible. <sighs> thank God I don't have to play competitive golf anymore. I get seriously, like I will wake up now. And if I see like wind or like bad weather, 
I still have like PTSD from like waking up on tournament morning day and like opening up the blinds and seeing wind and just knowing you were in for like five hours of hell or Mm -hmm. seeing rain and just knowing you're like, this is going to, this is going to suck. It's going to suck. Like I hated playing in bad weather. I hated it. Yeah. I don't do bad weather. I am like, I'm, I'm very much a fair weather golfer. Like (laughs) now that I don't have to. And I was thinking that the other day, I'm like, I'm so glad I don't play competitive golf anymore. Cause it's like, I just like emotionally, it just like, I don't know. I just would have never emotionally ready or whatever. Cause it was like, I would just get this, like, I'd get so like, I couldn't eat and I couldn't really sleep. Like I'd yeah. be up all, like, and I, and I sleep like 10 hours a night and I like can't sleep before golf. Like, it's just a lot. And I just, I realized I was like, I need to step away, but here we are. Like, I'd much rather be doing this than like professional golf right now. Just me personally. Like I, I just, I couldn't deal with life on the road every week. No, I couldn't either. Uh, so much happier that I get to do this and we get to do a fun podcast together. So win, win all around, man, I want to thank you for joining us today. I think it was a really great episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. And for more TNA, uh, questions that you guys want to write in, you can DM us at the playing around Instagram account, or you can email us at par at iheartradio.com. I always seem to fuck that one up. You guys know <laughs> where to send in questions and we will catch you here next time. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home? Take a deep breath and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.